your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to this Monday early evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO. Honestly, Penguins, if there's any background noise, I am um, in the Outer Banks for the week. It is my first actual vacation of the year. So like I said, if there's any background noise, it is the ocean as we have an oceanfront house for the week. For the week, excuse me, if the waves just keep um, p- pounding you know, the, the shallow ocean. I am a absolute sucker for the beach and I'm just, I'm really glad to be on vacation, but still the content does not stop there. I'm going to provide you um, a whole bunch of good content this week on the Locked on Penguins podcast. But before I do get to that, um, I do want to say this. Um, my thoughts and prayers go out to, God, I hope I don't permit, mispronounce his last name, but um, Matisse Kivlinkis of the Columbus Blue Jackets, the goaltender um, who sadly passed away at the age of 24 this morning and originally was reported by the AP that he slipped and hit his head on concrete and was pronounced dead, but after an autopsy by a medical examiner, according to the AP, um, he was struck by a firework mortar and then died of chest trauma. Um, he was gone way too soon. This is, you know, I don't care what team you root for. Um, this is just so sad in so many ways. Um, just always remember to hug and talk to your loved ones every single day because you truly never know what can happen on any given day to anyone. And again, you know, with, with the 4th of July being yesterday, I'll reiterate this. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, someone who is untrained to use fireworks should not be handling fireworks. You know, I don't care what state you're in, you know, whether in your Virginia, you know, the, the big ones where the state that I'm in are banned, you know, whether in your Pennsylvania with phantom fireworks, Ohio with what they do, West Virginia. You know, I know a lot of people in my area go to one of those three states to get their big fireworks. But if you're not trained to use fireworks, just don't even bother using them. Just if you're going to use fireworks, be extra careful because this is the, the sort of awful shit that can happen when someone, an idiot, doesn't know what they're doing when it comes to fireworks. But again, my thoughts and prayers go out to him and all of his family and his friends as they sort through this. It's just, I honestly thought it was a fake account when I first saw it. I was like, there's no way this is real. And then I saw the verifications and I just, my, my heart just like sank. So um, again, rest in peace. He was gone way too soon. And my thoughts and prayers do go out to him, his family and his friends during this. So I really just wanted to touch, touch on that uh, to start off the podcast. But we still have a bit to get to for today's episode, including previewing Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final as Tampa Bay is up three games to none. We're also going to talk about the surprise um, exit by Sam Ventura as he has gone to the Buffalo Sabres. Now I'll get we'll get my thoughts on that in this first segment, and we'll also touch on a couple of other things as you know, hockey season is coming to an end relatively quickly. I'm probably going to do maybe a little bit of a segment on NBC as tonight could be the last ever game on an NBC network. But to start out, there's definitely some disappointing news with the Penguins as Sam Ventura, um, who is the director of hockey research for the team for the last six years, has departed the organization and has gone to Buffalo, where his new role is, if I can just find this on my Twitter real quick, um, Elliot Friedman put out the tweet um, this morning. So he will be vice president of hockey strategy and research. Jason, Jason Nightingale will be assistant director of amateur scouting moving forward. Um, I'm definitely a bit stunned that Sam did this, though. I guess when I think about it a little more, 
I'm not as stunned because Jason Carmanos is there as he's the associate general manager to Kevin Adams. Remember, Carmanos was Stan Ventura's boss before he left uh, to go to Buffalo after um, he was fired um, from Jim Rutherford. And we really still don't know the actual reasoning behind it. Um, it really was never confirmed by anyone in the local media. Jim Rutherford never really touched on it. So um, that's still something that I'm sure will be digged up at some point. But yes, Ventura leaves Pittsburgh to go to Buffalo to be the vice president of hockey strategy and research. And there is no sugarcoating it. I tweeted this out. This sucks major ass. Um, he was great, I think, for the organization. I know a lot of people are saying out there that the organization never listened to him. I'm not really sure how much I buy, I buy that. I mean, you saw Ron Hextall after he was hired a couple months, I think. He was talking about Ventura and how much of an asset that he's been to the organization. He, he really does value analytics. And remember, they brought on Katarina Wu, and Ventura was Wu's boss, I think, when that move was announced. So I'll be curious to see if they do bring in someone to replace Ventura. Though That's going to be hard because Sam is probably one of the best analytical minds out there um, around the league. I mean, if they can somehow bring on one of the evolving wild twins or someone from Natural Star Trek or any other of these um, analytical sites like Money Puck even or something like that, that would be awesome. I don't foresee that happening, but um, this definitely creates a big opening within the organization now to go replace Sam. I understand that people are going to be worried because, you know, Brian Burke is in Ron Hextall's ear. I mean, I get it. You know, we all know what Brian Burke's history has been with truculence, you know, having a big hockey team with veteran leadership and grit and toughness. But from everything I have read um, for as long as this tenure has taken place with these two at the helm, this is Hextall's team and Burke is just there to kind of be, you know, I, I guess – you know, someone in the middle between Hextall and Morehouse, you know, sure, I think Burke will definitely give his opinions on stuff, but at the end of the day, I think Burke even confirmed this on a couple podcasts and through the media, um, the final decision cut does come down to Hextall when it comes to player personnel, signings, trades, whatever you want to do. So I think if they do want to make a move to replace Sam, which I, in my opinion, they definitely need to, um, I think that's going to go through Sam. I mean, I think you've seen Burke talk about uh, analytics a bit more while he has been here. Um, but I also don't think that this is this doom and gloom move that's going to set this franchise back. Uh, trust me, everyone. I, I, I get it. You know, Brian Burke and everyone thinks of what I just said, you know, with truculence and all that. But with Hextall here, I couldn't be more confident that they're not going to turn into this, you know, grisly, tough, veteran leadership, gritty team. His first move that he made to get Jeff Carter was an A+. plus. So he, he his tenure couldn't have got, gotten off to a better start. He is literally at an A-plus right now. Obviously, this offseason, um, this is big, especially because expansion's coming up. They're going to lose a good player. We have to see what they're going to do in free agency. Do they want to make a couple of trades to try to free up money? Um, so I guess the grade is in, incomplete in quotation marks, if you want to call it. But right now, it is off to an A-plus. I still think they will definitely hire someone to replace him. Um, but I also will say this as well. Um, I don't think he was used enough or he wasn't used as much as he should have been. Um, I think Jason um, from Penn's Twitter said it best um, when talking about the situation. If I can find the, um, the tweet here real quick. Let me just find this here real quick. Yeah, he says, yeah, good on Sam Ventura for finding an organization that will empower him rather than force him to sneak his input in discussions through other people. I, I will say, I think 
his opinion didn't matter as much um, when Jim Rutherford was here. I mean, for God's sakes, they signed Jack Johnson under his watch. So Rutherford probably didn't give a shit, and they also traded for Eric Goodbranson under his watch. And oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they also traded for Ryan Reeves while he was with the organization as well. So I really don't think his input valued much there, but I do think under Ron Hextall that it was a bit higher, especially considering um, a couple of the moves that they made. Even Mark Freeman, who had good underlying numbers coming over to the team, and he still wasn't bad. Um, when he played, I think that was definitely maybe a, a bit of an analytical decision. And of course, Carter, um, I think he definitely had some say in that, even though I think Hextall had 85 to 90% of the say, because of course, you know, he was with, with Los Angeles before he knows Carter, but, you know, Sam might've looked at the underlying numbers, see that he was maybe being misused a bit. He had more to give and then persuaded Hextall to go make that acquisition. Oh boy, did it ever work, you know, with 16 points in 20 games overall with the team, but wanted to share my thoughts on that. I, like I said, I think they will hire someone to replace him, but it is going to be very hard to find someone with as bright of a mind as he has and with as much of an analytical background um, as he has. But that will do it for this first segment. Coming up in the next segment, we are going to preview uh, Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight as Tampa Bay is one win away from going back-to-back and sweeping the Montreal Canadiens. I believe this will be the first sweep in the Stanley Cup Final um, in 23 years, I, I believe that sounds right. And yes, yeah, there has not been a sweep in the Stanley Cup final um, since 1998. Um, I believe, if I am correct, was that the Red Wings that beat? Yeah, it was the Red Wings that beat the Washington Capitals. So that was the last time that we had a sweep in the Stanley Cup final. In my opinion, I think we actually will get a sweep tonight, but we will see. I'll have my full thoughts on this series in the next segment. But before we do get to that, it's time to talk about. Um, Built Bar. So we actually have a new limited time flavor for you all. Only this week, it's the Built Grasshopper Cookie. And I'm sure you're all dying to find out what it tastes like. This is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie, excuse me, all the flavor without all that sugar, 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. Did you know that Bilt Bar also has many other delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar friend, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. Again, some of the good ones, cherry barkia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed bag box, excuse me, where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are they really tasty, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein in most of them. The calories range from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all very healthy. You can get order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Honestly, you can go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's talk about this Stanley Cup final. So, I mean, th- this series has not even been close, everyone. Um, Tampa Bay has outscored the Canadians 14-5 to in three games. I mean, this has just been a joke to watch. And, you know, I kind of expected this in a way. I know I picked Tampa Bay in six games because I honestly overall thought that Montreal would make it a little bit competitive. But then, you know, when you really think about it, this is probably how it should be going. I mean, this was the 18th best team from the regular season going up against the best team in the league. I mean, I know Tampa Bay did not win their division. They got third in the Central, which of course was very competitive. Carolina finished above them. Florida finished above them. But, you know, they also were without Nikita Kucherov for the whole season. Yes, I understand, you know, they cheated the cap. But, you know, if, if, if the league was not going to do anything 
um, to what happened with Patrick Kane in 2015. They were not going to do anything to stop the Tampa Bay Lightning with what happened to Nikita Kucherov. That, that's just the reality of the situation. I disagree with it. It sucks, but that's just that's what the league wants. So crying about it is not going to get us anywhere. I'm sure they're probably not going to have an injury going into next season. They actually will have to make some moves uh, that'll affect their cap space. I think Tyler Johnson will be one of them. Maybe they try to move out someone like Alex Kalorn. A couple others I'm sure will be on the block as well, but they will not get to have that resort going into next season. But as for the series itself, that game three, Tampa just took it to Montreal that entire game. I mean, they were up to nothing, not even five minutes into the game. I know Philip Deneau got his first of the playoffs, make it two to one a few minutes after that. Then Montreal pushed play a little bit, but Tampa Bay was not in any danger of losing this game. I mean, the second period comes around uh, three to one. I think Kucherov scores, then Johnson, I think, scores to make it four one, or I have it backwards, but I know both of them scored in that period. And then it's like, oh, wow, could Carey Price be potentially pulled? I'm in that game, but obviously that was not going to happen. I mean, the head coach of the Canadians is not going to pull out uh, one of their be- the best goalie from these play. Well, arguably the best goalie from these playoffs. I'll argue that Vasilevsky has been better than, and especially um, the numbers in this Stanley Cup final would definitely, I think, point to that. Um, the, the matter, the fact of the matter is, Montreal does not have enough scoring to compete with Tampa Bay, and Carey Price has also been pretty dog shit in this series. You are not going to win with 840 to 850 goaltending through three games. I mean, you're, you're not going to win with a goalie giving up over 12 goals in three games. I mean, that, that's just, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. This is a far cry from what he did in the first three rounds where he stifled Las Vegas, Toronto, and Winnipeg in all three of those series. This is the regular season version that we are getting from Carey Price right now. I do feel bad for him in a way because Montreal is not getting any scoring, but he still needs to give them more saves. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, put the blame squarely on him for this series. I mean, obviously Tampa Bay is the better team. They have the better roster. They're deeper at every position, but Price does need to be better, and he definitely knows that. I think he talked about it a bit after the game. It's just it has not been good enough, and I think that is a reason why the Habs are down 0-3 in this series. And this has honestly been the worst Stanley Cup final to watch um, since 2007. I mean, none of this has been fun. I mean, and again, you know, this is what happens when the number one team in the league is going up against a team that in a normal year would not have made the playoffs. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on Montreal. You know, what they did with this run is nothing short of extraordinary. Beating Toronto, being down 3-1, that's no easy task. You crush Winnipeg, who, you know, they're probably not that good. That's probably their easiest series. And then going up against a juggernaut in Vegas, beating them in six games, that is very impressive. But, you know, Tampa Bay was just a different beast. This series is basically over. They are not going to beat the Lightning four times in a row. I honestly may eat a hat if they do that. But the biggest thing is, you know, when you go into tonight's game, you think, oh, yeah, you know, the Habs are going to play their best lineup, right? I mean, they're facing elimination. They're at home in the Bell Center where they're only hosting 3,500 fans, which in my opinion is a joke, by the way. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I don't claim to be, you know, the big expert on what's going on in Canada, but I think they deserve to have more than 3,500 fans in their stadium. I mean, for God's sake, they have like 30,000 people outside um, the stadium. I understand, though, that the virus does tend uh, to transmit worse in indoor spaces uh, than outdoor spaces. But I think they do deserve to have maybe around six to 7,000 fans. I know Montreal was trying to push for 10K. Maybe that's a bit much. But, you know, I think the Canadian government should have met them in the middle, allow them to have six to 7,000 fans. At least that's what around close to 50% capacity or something like that, maybe 40%. Meet them in the middle, I think people would have been happy with that. Um, but, you know, they are only going to have 3,500 fans. But, again, going back to my original point, so 
it sounds like the Habs are going to be scratching um, Kakinyemi, and they're still not going to be putting in uh, Tomas Tatar, which is just, it, it boggles my mind. Adam Gretz had this insane tweet here from this afternoon. Tomas Tatar has more points than any Canadians player the past three seasons. He is not going to be playing tonight as the Canadians face elimination. And Jesperi Kakinyemi has 1.31 goals per 65 v5 this postseason, which is the highest on the team. He is also somehow not going to get into the lineup tonight as he's been literally one of their best players. I don't understand what Dom Ducharme is doing. I guess that's why Habs fans are very mad at him during the regular season. I, I think they're putting in Jake Evans tonight, which, I mean, he, he's not even a scoring threat um, over these two players. So, I mean, they're, they're basically just galaxy braining it here. Um, I, I really don't get it. I mean, even Josh Anderson um, is in the lineup, and he hasn't really done anything um, in this series. And, you know, I, I can't wait. If someone else tweeted today, I can't remember who tweeted this, but someone's going to sign Tomas Tatar for very cheap this off season. It's going to be around a two to three year deal, a couple million per year, and he's going to put up like 45 to 50 points next season. And we're all just going to be sitting here and thinking like, wow, you know, remember when Montreal scratched him in the Stanley Cup final and basically all playoffs long because they wanted to play Jake freaking Evans and Josh Anderson over him. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's hilarious to me. I really don't get what, what Dom Ducharme is doing there. When you're down 0-3, you got to ice the best team that gives you the best chance to win. I don't think he's doing that here when it comes to this lineup, and I think they're going to pay the price tonight. I really do think Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup Final tonight, and they will get the first sweep uh, in the Stanley Cup Final since 1998 when the Red Wings did it to the Capitals. And um, just remember, that was the, um, when the Red Wings beat the Capitals, that was when they went back-to-back. -back. So it would be funny. It would be kind of funny 23 years later uh, there will be another if for another team to go back to back, it would be um, a sweep. Even though, of course, the Penguins went back to back just a few years ago, they beat the Nashville Predators um, in six games. So those are my thoughts on the Stanley Cup final. Kucherov's been great. Vasilevsky's been awesome. Point has been awesome. I think if I had a Con Smythe ballot, if I was lucky enough to ever have one, I would honestly go Vasilevsky at one. He's been the best goalie of the playoffs, and that's I think the big thing. I, I was talking about this on uh, on Penn Sword with a couple people the other night. Um, this, I definitely agree with a couple people that this does remind me a little bit more of that 2017 Pens team where Vasilevsky has given them Matt Murray level goaltending. Honestly, he's given them, I think, better than Matt Murray level goaltending. And Tampa has also been able to finish their chances, even though they didn't play as well this year as they did before. You know, I still, you know, when I look at this Tampa team, I, I also think of the 2016 Penguins because they buzzsaw through everyone, but I think they were more of a buzzsaw last year than they were this year, especially with that seven-game series against the Islanders. I think Florida gave them a scare. Um, Carolina, they were able to have that quick series as the Penguins were able to have um, in 2017 against the Blue Jackets and then the Stanley Cup final. Um, it just hasn't been close, just like it was, I think, for the Penguins. I, I never really thought the Penguins were in any danger in 2017 of losing to Nashville, just, just as I know now that the, the Lightning are ne have not been in any danger of losing to Montreal. But those are my thoughts on the Stanley Cup final. We will see what happens tonight as Tampa Bay will go for their back-to-back uh, -back championship. But before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code LOCKEDON. 
All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. So again, I'm very happy that tonight could be the last ever game on an NBC network. You know, I will say, you know, NBC did kind of save the league in a way when they did get the rights all those years ago. I thought the product at the start um, was pretty good. You know, it did get better than, you know, these last four to five years. It's just gotten really stale and I'm really sick of it as the number ones, the number one TV provider in the country. I'm really glad that a shift is happening. I get that there's sentiment, you know, from some people that you know don't don't lose sight in the fact of what the good NBC did, and I definitely understand that. But there is time for a change, and it's been needed to happen now for a long time. I'm really glad that it looks like Turner and ESPN are not going to be hiring people like Mike Milbury and Jeremy Renick, who are so out of touch with the modern game. I mean, sure, you know, ESPN's going to trot Barry Melrose out there, but I don't think he's going to be the lead color commentator for their broadcast. I think that's going to be Ray Ferraro. Brian Boucher is going to do a lot of that. I think Melrose will do some studio stuff. Maybe he'll be color commentator for a few games, but he's not going to be the number one guy. That's the biggest thing. I mean, for NBC, it was Milbury and Roenick, you know, always being the number one people in the studio and the number one people doing color commentary, at least for a little bit, um, with Milbury. And no one wanted to listen to what they had to say because they, they, it just didn't line up with the game, modern game of hockey and where this sport is going. You know, gone are the ways, you know, talking about physicality and, and grit and toughness and face-offs won and face-offs lost. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think face-offs are more important than some people want to believe, but it's not this huge stat that needs to be talked about talked about, excuse me, every five to ten minutes on a hockey broadcast. It really does not do a lot, I don't think, for the casual fan. You know, as Nick Zararis and I have been texting about this, you know, just explain why this play happened. What went into this happening? And no, we don't need highlights of the game that we're watching at intermission. That was one of the biggest things that continued to piss me off with NBC. You're showing us full game highlights for the game that we're already watching, even even if it's a regular season game on a Wednesday night between the Blackhawks and the Red Wings, you know, which really those two teams should not even be shown on a national uh, broadcast anyway. Or, you know, now with the Stanley Cup final, they're still doing that to this day. And it's like, they have not learned in the slightest how to accurately show this sport the way that it's meant to be shown. That said, I will say some positive things about NBC. I am going to miss John Forsland a lot. I think he was so underused with NBC. I definitely think he should have been calling the Stanley Cup final over Kenny Albert. And don't get me wrong, I think Albert does a better job than some people like to give him credit for. And I think he's going to do a really good job with Turner Sports as the number one play-by-play guy. Um, but I still think that Forsland should have been doing this over Albert. Um, hopefully tonight is also the last night that we're seeing a Pierre McGuire. I really liked the Brian Boucher hire when they brought him on just a few years ago. Joe Micheletti, I think he's okay as well. And I'm also definitely going to miss Catherine Tappan and Liam McHugh. Um, Liam McHugh more so. I think he did a better job of, uh, as a studio host than Catherine, but I think Catherine did do um, a good job as well. And I think they will definitely be missed as the host for a pregame, postgame, or even intermission show. I think those are all my thoughts, mainly on NBC's last potential game tonight. I understand that there's not as much Penguins talk for today's episode. I'm just waiting for them to do something. Like Ron Hextall, give me something to talk about. We're going to continue to do more season reviews this week. Hopefully they make a trade or something like that as the final will likely end this week. Hopefully um, it's tonight as I keep saying and then we can really get this offseason underway. I will also be on Nick Zeraris' show, the Upper Bowl GM podcast tomorrow. Look for that then and we'll also have another episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast on Tuesday. So I hope you all had a very healthy and safe 4th of July that listened to this podcast in America. 
And I really hope you enjoy the sound of the ocean in the background for today's episode, if you can hear it. Um, I apologize if it is a bit too loud. I tried to get as far away as possible to do it. I also wanted to do this episode outside because it really is a gorgeous day here. But again, I'll have another episode tomorrow and I will talk to you all then.